My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. We have a national championship game with two number one seeds, an easy win for Baylor over Houston, and then an epic win in overtime on a near midcourt shot that they'll be talking about for years, if not decades to come as Gonzaga somehow finds a way to outlast UCLA and get into the title game. Welcome in. It's the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat rested, fully energized host of the program, TJ Reeves. I've got guests coming up to help me break it down again. However you found this show, whether you found it through a social media link, we're streaming on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel, top and bottom of the hour, every hour, all the way through the championship game on Tag Sports Group on the channel, TAG. Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts for college basketball coast to coast. Let's get to the roll call of guests that I have here. Some great insight upcoming from Matt Zimmick. He's in the West in Phoenix, part of the USA Today family of sites with USC Trojans Wire. Obviously, great insight on the Pac-12. He's here with me. Tyler Jones is here with me from the Midwest. Tyler actually coming from Kansas City on this Saturday night right after the semifinal games. And Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast, also here from the Tampa Bay area. Boys, good to have all of you. We have witnessed at the time that we're taping just a few minutes ago, a little while ago, an epic finish to Gonzaga and UCLA. Matt Zimmick, we go to you first for the opening comment. Wow. I mean, it's it's a legitimate debate. Is this better than 1992 Duke, Kentucky? And if you're asking that question, that pretty much says it all, right? Right, and that game obviously ended with the iconic Christian Leitner shot on a pass from Grant Hill. Uh, do I have it right, Matt? Like 103, 102, 104, yeah. 103, something like that at the end of regulation to go to the Final Four. This was in the Final Four. Jason Powers, I see you nodding along. Does this belong in that category with that game, a non-championship game? I think it does only because of the perceived mismatch that it was going into the game. UCLA was like a 14-point underdog coming into the game. This was absolutely a Houston-NC State kind of scenario back in 83 kind of game. And what a job by the Bruins to stay in the game for all 45 minutes. Tyler Jones has been waiting on the launching pad. First chance to hear from you. Welcome in. And where does this belong? It's not for the national title, but my Lord, what a game, Tyler. Oh, this is one of the best games I've ever seen. And it had everything. The top team in the country that's got this pursuit for perfection going on. The, the underdog story in UCLA. You had overtime. You had the clutch shot. The final four stage. This game had it all. I'm still in awe of what we just witnessed. Yeah, and it's tough for us because we're trying to process everything, and it's good that I have teammates here to help me with all of it. All right, so everybody's kind of made an opening comment. Let's go right to the end here and what was a fantastic end sequence where Johnny Juzang is able to get his own rebound inside after a missed shot and score and then with three seconds left and Jim Nance I've replayed it now it's just so I could hear it so we could talk about it on college basketball coast to coast 
Fantastic call, and he says right away they have time for a last-second shot. And obviously, Jalen Suggs, the fantastic freshman, had more than enough time to take a couple of dribbles and get across midcourt. The immediate comparison that went into my brain, guys, is Gordon Hayward Butler against Duke from midcourt in Indianapolis, by the way, and this time it went in. Now, the Hayward shot was for the national title in the national title game. But this was eerily similar to a midcourt, chuck it up, off the board, and this time it went in. I'll, I'll kind of reverse the order. Jason Powers, you first here. Give me a, give me a thought two, two, on, on that sequence. One, one, one point. Suggs, you hear coaches say all the time, you basically get one dribble for every second that's on the clock. So I think it was 3.3 when Juzang tied the game. The, the outlet pass from out of bounds got the ball almost to about 30 feet out from the basket from Gonzaga. So – he, the other cool thing is there, he was able to have his shoulders square to the target the whole yep. time. Hayward was kind of going to the sideline, if you remember, where, where, where Suggs was actually going downhill, able to get his feet set, his shoulders square, and a great look. I mean, it was in rhythm. It was a 30-footer, but it was an in-rhythm 30-footer of all things. And the bank was open. Tyler Jones, the end sequence. I mean, we're going to forget probably about Juzang making the shot. And then Jalen Suggs with a shot that will live forever on Final Four highlight reels, Tyler. Oh, yeah. This is going to be the shot that we see on One Shining Moment, all the highlight videos for the next years and decades to come. Uh, It's going to be one of those things that you're going to be telling your grandkids that where you were at when you watched that moment. That's the type of moment and scenario that we all just witnessed and we should share again tyler watched it with dozens if not several hundred people in a courtyard at a party in kansas city in downtown kansas city i'm watching Shout at out home. power and light district all right so my, i'm watching at home with the wife and the twins i got one twin who's got gonzaga baylor in the championship game she erupted we all we all erupted so she's won the bracket now with the championship game Matt Zimmick's watching at home in Phoenix. Jason Powers watching at home in Tampa. It's incredible. Matt, your thought on the end sequence, please. Well, you know, the, the indelible moments in uh, Final Four history, we've, we haven't had half-court heaves that have gone in. You know, we discussed the Gordon Hayward shot that didn't go in. There were two half-court heaves that were caught at the basket and put in. Now, we had uh, Lorenzo Charles of Derek Wittenberg for NC State in 1983. And uh, the more obscure reference is Jerome Whitehead of Marquette taking a long pass at the Omni in Atlanta in 1977 to beat UNC Charlotte at the Horn. They had a long conference at the scores table to make sure that basket was legal. So we've had long heaves, but not ones that have directly gone in. They've been dunked or laid in, but this was a direct hit. And incredible that it keeps Gonzaga's unbeaten season alive by virtue of the half-court shot from Jalen Suggs on a 93-90 to win to make them 31-0. and It is college basketball coast-to-coast. That was the voice of Matt Zemeck. Follow him on social media at Matt, Z-E-M-E-K. Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast is here. He's at JPO Sports. And also Tyler Jones, Tyler Jones Live is his Twitter handle. He's on the Jones Report for his podcast. We're hanging out on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Jason Powers has something else to add. Go ahead. This is for all of you guys. I want to get your opinion. What a job by the official calling the charge at the end of regulation. 
a, a bang bang would have decided the game if he calls a block. Great job by the official. He made the right call. Timmy stood in there. If he fouls, if he gets called, he fouls out and they lose. But what a job by the officiating crew to make the right call and have the you know what's the onions like Mr. Raftery likes to say <laughs> to call the charge when it was a charge. Uh, Tyler Jones, an opinion on that. I, I've got an opinion or two about the officiating, but Tyler, quick opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that situation of what unfolded there and and uh, that charge and uh, the also don't forget the uh, call that could have been a block either. Some tough decisions the officials had to make that really could have swung the game one way or the other, depending on who you ask. Matt Zimmick, the uh, the contrary. The, we're talking again at the end of regulation in a tie game. Juzang going to the hole. He was definitely set, Timmy. But what, your thoughts, Matt? Well, you know, the thing that we sometimes forget in, on block charge calls is that there's a third option, and that is the play on. Yep. And uh, we, 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 we easily dismiss it. We reduce it to the binary A or B. I think the main thing just on that play, it was definitely not a block on Timmy. Timmy right. was there. Timmy was set. Timmy was outside the half circle. So just the main thing is that they didn't call a block on Timmy. And I promise we are going to talk some about Baylor, who, who obviously deserves it as a number one seed getting into the national championship game. But again, the Gonzaga finish is such an amazing game that we're going strong for that for the first few minutes of college basketball, coast to coast, no matter when you're hearing us. We'll have another fresh show later on Sunday, by the way, with more guests. And then a full Monday preview as well before the championship game, Gonzaga and Baylor on Monday night. That's coming on Monday on the program. But right now I got my dudes here with me, Jason Powers, Tyler Jones, and Matt Zimmick breaking this down immediately after it's over. Several more nuggets. It's the first overtime game in a Final Four in 23 years. Kentucky won that one in the 98 Final Four over Stanford, a Final Four game, not the championship game. Of course, just a couple of years ago in the championship game between Virginia and Texas Tech, that went to overtime. It's the first overtime in a semifinal game in 23 years. UCLA had won two previous overtime games getting into this one. They became only the second team ever in the NCAA tournament to play a third overtime game, Syracuse in 1975. Credit Dave Warlock of the NCAA putting that nugget out uh, tonight. And this time, the third time was not a charge. Unlike, uh, and Matt, I'll go to you first. You've watched UCLA all year. You've watched them in the postseason. Unlike the previous two games uh, with both Michigan State and Alabama, they didn't break out to the lead in the overtime. They played from behind, trailing Gonzaga, and in the end, couldn't make the last couple of plays, made a play to tie it, but they, they weren't ahead and weren't putting the the, uh, the force of the issue on Gonzaga late in the game. Well, the, the main thing in, in this game, the reason why uh, UCLA didn't score the upsets that it did over Alabama and Michigan is that Gonzaga had at least a few players who weren't scared. Alabama was scared. Michigan was scared, especially Franz Wagner and Mike Smith. They were both scared. But Drew Timmy wasn't scared. Jalen Suggs wasn't scared. Andrew Nembhard, who at that late three, mm. wasn't scared. And we recall 1991 UNLV and 2015 Kentucky when they were in the position Gonzaga inhabited in Indianapolis, just like uh, this game. <laughs> they were scared. They got they froze down the stretch. But and Gonzaga, you know, Kispert was scared. And Gonzaga had a few other players who were scared, but it had a few guys who were ready for the moment. That's why the Zags held on. 
All right. Again, we continue to take the comments, and I'm just looking at the final stat sheet for a couple of more moments here. Timmy finished with 25 points uh, in the game. Ayayi had 22. What a game for Johnny Juzang yet again, even in defeat. 29 points. Jason Powers, say something about that young man. What a future he has. What a coming out this NCAA tournament has been. He made one huge shot after another. And even, again, it's going to get lost. It's kind of like the Sean Woods play uh, for Kentucky in the epic game with Duke. He made the shot to put Kentucky in the lead. Nobody really remembers that because Leitner hit the shot after that. It's the same thing for Juzang. But, man, he played a great game. He's led the tournament in scoring. He's been the leading scorer in the tournament. How does Kentucky? I know Calipari has a way of doing things at Kentucky, but how is that guy not breaking into the lineup at Kentucky the last couple of years is, is beyond me, unless he's just made a dramatic improvement. The other thing for UCLA, the reason this game was so close, they got great production from guys other than Juzang and Haquez. Tiger Campbell played great. Riley was, was a major contributor. They had four guys that scored more than 14 points for UCLA in order to keep that game down to the wire. But Johnny Juzang, what an isolation player he is at the college level mm. cody riley making some money out of this final four and out of this ncaa tournament run drew timmy making some money jalen suggs is probably going to be a top five pick yep. if he wants out of gonzaga tyler jones more from you here one more thought or two on the, on the gonzaga performance the stats from the game anything else well i look at this gonzaga team and that they didn't change what they were doing all night that they stuck to the game plan it looked like when they jumped out to that seven-point lead there uh, with about, what was six, seven minutes to go. It was, okay, are they inserting their will now? Is this when they start to take over? But what do you know? You saw UCLA continue to fight back. And so I applaud Gonzaga for not getting down, for uh, knowing that it wasn't their night defensively, but still finding a way to win and, and, and sticking to the game plan. It was a great job by the talent of that, that uh, Gonzaga team. No doubt about that, Matt. You got another thought there to stick in? Yeah, just a few nuggets that the last two Final Four national semifinals to go to overtime, the Pac-12 lost them both. Stanford 98, UCLA now. Also, this is not the first time UCLA has lost a national semifinal in overtime. North Carolina State 1974, one of the great games of all time in Greensboro. And then the other note I simply have on this game – UCLA, in this game and also in its in its whole run, it combined – well, not the whole run, but in this game, it combined the free throw defense of 1983 North Carolina State with the percentage field goal shooting of 1985 Villanova. I mean, Cody Riley was the Harold Jensen in this game, the guy you don't expect to get anything from. It was appropriate defense for Gonzaga to make Cody Riley shoot 16 footers. And he still kept pumping them in like Harold Jensen against the Hoyas in 85. So UCLA had 83 NC state free throw mojo and Villanova, 85 free throw shooting or field goal shooting. And Gonzaga was still able to fend that off. A couple more. Cody Riley, a Kansas city guy, by the way. Yeah, how about that? And uh, and and stepping up big time. UCLA shoots fifty eight percent in the game. Only turns it over ten times in a forty five minute game. Did a lot of things right. Out rebounded Gonzaga thirty two to twenty six. But Gonzaga got uh, several key shots. Got easy inside baskets late in the game and in overtime, and found a way 
uh, to win this one in an epic 93 to 90 win. They now become the first team since 1979, Indiana State and Larry Bird to get to the title game undefeated. They got beyond where UNLV 91 could not in Indianapolis. They got beyond where Kentucky could not. I was in Lucas Oil Stadium that night six years ago when Kentucky couldn't get by Wisconsin, as Matt pointed out, both of those teams crumbled. And we wonder, Jason Powers, over and over again, if Gonzaga gets in a tight game that they haven't been in, will they crack? There were maybe signs that they were going to crack, but they really showed some moxie and the indication of being true greatness with being able to pull that out while being tested. The the reason why Gonzaga is going to be so hard to beat and Baylor is the balance. They got five or six guys that can do it. So if one or two guys aren't doing it, Nemhart steps up and makes a couple threes. You got Timmy in the post. You got a Yaye who's not the first guy you think of. They've got five or six guys that can go off for 15 to 20 points on any given night. And they're so unselfish. They're not like UCLA where they need Juzang to score 25 to pull that kind of win. They got four, five, six guys that can score 15 to 20 points on a given night. Well, and to your point, Kispert had 15 in the game. Suggs on the three at the end finishes with 16 in the game. Nemhart had 11 with the big three-pointer in overtime. Loaded. Loaded Gonzaga team. Loaded as well as Baylor. And why don't we segue here on College Basketball Coast to Coast with Jason Powers, who you just heard from, Tyler Jones, and Matt Zimmick. They're all joining me. It's College Basketball Coast to Coast. We're spread out all over the country. We've been covering this from all different angles, from Indianapolis. Uh, Tyler again's in Kansas City. Matt's in Arizona. Jason and I are in the Tampa Bay area. Nobody's going to bed tonight. It's Easter Sunday here in a little while in the East. It's crazy uh, after this game. All right, again, we've got to give some love to the Baylor Bears. Tyler Jones, I'm coming to you first. You're in Big 12 country. You cover this conference, and you've been doing so a bunch uh, throughout the last few years. Baylor just dismantled Houston, a game that, frankly, I think everybody was surprised was a runaway early. Maybe you thought Baylor was going to win, but, man, this was Mike Tyson first-round knockout-type stuff. Tell me more about the Baylor Bears on Saturday. They're now in the title game, Tyler. This Baylor team is just so loaded with talent. Scott Drew, this was a guy that the Big 12 a few years ago would have convinced you was the dumbest man in the room, but really he was – doing something that nobody saw coming with this Baylor program. And now you see the talent are putting together legit NBA players on this roster with Butler and Teague and Vital and these guys. It's just phenomenal the effort that Scott Drew has done to put this group together. And I think that Scott Drew and company, they were watching this May have lost Tyler on the end of the answer there, Tyler, but we get the point on what you're saying about Scott Drew as, uh, again, great diverse scoring from Baylor in the game. The point that he was making, Butler had 17 to lead five players in double figures. Matt Zimmick, to you, give me some context of what Baylor did to a very good defensive Houston team. They took them, they took them apart in the first half of that semifinal game in Indianapolis. Well, you know, we have to start by saying that, you know, the, uh, Houston's Final Four wasn't cheap. It wasn't unearned. It, you know, Houston was fully deserving but playing four double-digit seeds on the road to the Final Four caught up with Houston. It did not prepare the Cougars for what was coming from Baylor. And, uh, you know, just Baylor does so many different things well. That's why the matchup with Gonzaga is so great is because they can beat you in many different ways from many different angles, many different players. Just Baylor it doesn't depend on one or two people. 
you know, the action doesn't funnel through one or two guys. I mean, obviously Mitchell handles the ball a lot, but it's really a, a, a group effort. I mean, you know, when you look at Gonzaga again, a couple guys were scared, but a couple guys weren't. And the guys who weren't scared were able to make the difference from Gonzaga. Baylor's cut from the same cloth and uh, was just able to impose its will on Houston. And Houston was really uh, taken out of their game. Uh, they are a scrappy, defensive-minded team. They're not built to gun and, and score a bunch. They were missing outside shots and falling farther and farther behind. That's what I saw in the first half. And uh, Jason Powers, to you from the Powers on Sports podcast, how much merit in what uh, Matt was just saying that they they really stepped up about two levels in, in competition probably with Baylor here, and it really showed, and they weren't up to the challenge, the Cougars. I mean, the big, a big stat in that game, Baylor had 30 points off their bench. Mike Mayer, that guy's probably can start for 150 other schools in the country, and he's, and he's the best sixth man in the country. That guy could be an all-conference player in a lot of places, and this guy's the sixth man for Baylor. Jeez, 30 I hate points this. off the bench. They, um, they made 11 threes. They'd been averaging about 40% three-point shooting through the year. They hadn't shot the ball very well during the tournament from the three-point line, and today they shot more of their average of 41%, 42%. And if they do that and get some help down low out of vital as far as on the rebounding side, Houston was just not able to – was not, never going to be able to score enough points to win the game. Well, and we kept talking uh, as well about – uh, Houston, their scrappiness, their rebounding. They did have 13, actually uh, 14 offensive rebounds in the game, but it just it was not enough for them offensively to shoot 38%, and they did get out-rebounded in the contest uh, as well. And they showed some life at one point in the second half, like they might be able to get it around 10. The lead was 18, 16, got it around 10, and Baylor made a couple of clutch shots, including a clutch three, just to keep them at arm's length. Yeah, And you can't say enough. Again, this is a Baylor program that went on COVID pause in February and could not practice for 10 days, came out of it uh, a little shaky. They lost to Kansas, Tyler, at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. But, man, did they get it together with a win at West Virginia, won a couple of other games down the stretch. I know they lost in the Big 12 tournament to Oklahoma State, but they share the ball uh, what did I see? They're the first team since 1990. Matt, help me out with the historical nuggets. They're the first team since 1990, I believe it is, to have 23 or more assists in a Final Four game. How about that? Uh, they did share the ball, 23 assists on 29 makes in the game. But, Tyler, you've been watching this Baylor team, and we should give them a lot more credit coming off the COVID pause, doing what they did. Yeah, I mean, you look at this Baylor team, it goes back to last year. You know, this was a squad that, if we would have had the NCAA tournament, would have been a one seed. And what they ended up doing was they just got better than what they were from last year. They picked up from where they left off. Scott Drew added some more parts and pieces. And this is the team that they are from a season ago. So uh, I'm very impressed. And they're so athletic. They're good at all five positions. They have the depth. Um, this team's just had a phenomenal run. They had that uh, short break with the COVID pause, and they weren't the same team after that. But if they didn't have that COVID break, likely we could be talking about two undefeated teams in the national championship right now. Love the insight of Tyler Jones. Again, find him at Tyler Jones Live on social media. Love his insight. The Jones Report is his podcast. You're also hearing from Jason Powers. He's JPO Sports on 
Twitter. Find the Powers on Sports podcast wherever you get podcasts. Matt Zimick of USA Today's Trojans Wire website uh, covering them. Great college basketball historian for the last 25-plus years. National writer on the college hoops and the college football. Find him at Matt Zimick, Z-E-M-E-K. Few minutes left on college basketball coast to coast. We're coming to you immediately after the crazy bananas finish of Gonzaga. Uh, guys, help me. They did just win on a half court shot uh, to go to the national championship game and remember and remain undefeated. I didn't dream that. We're not in a we're not in a COVID nineteen fog from twenty twenty. That really did happen, right? You guys can help me verify that. That did happen. We did witness that a little while ago, right? That was, that was just a Steph Curry three-pointer from the logo. It was just a deep three from Steph from the logo. That's all. With just, you know, the unbeaten season and the national championship yeah, possibility know. riding on it uh, for Gonzaga. That's, uh, it's amazing that that happened. So we got a few moments uh, left. Uh, Matt, I'm going to come back to you again. I- Indiana's the last team, 1976, to finish undefeated. Incredible that Gonzaga has now, again, gotten where nobody before – uh, it, it, well, no one has since Larry Bird in Indiana State, 1979. I mean, you got to go back 40 years, basically, to the last time somebody has gotten to this point. Put that in perspective, Matt Zimmick. Well, it's it just you know we're we're reminded that it's so hard to win NCAA national championships. I mean, R- Roy Williams, who just retired, I mean, you know, he won three, and I mean, we think of that as a lot, but he coached for like 30 years at Kansas and North Carolina, and he won three times and there were many more than three times when Roy Williams entered the NCAA tournament with the best team in the country. You think of his 1997 Kansas team. You think of his 2007 and 2008 North Carolina teams didn't get it. And I mean, it it is hard. It is, there's just nothing guaranteed about this. And so some people might downgrade Gonzaga historically after tonight, what you couldn't put away an 11 seed. Well, when you fend off that magical, perfect game, you know, Villanova 1985, when you, de- when you absorb that punch and you're able to surmount it, yep. that elevates Gonzaga in the all-time conversation as far as I'm concerned. So if Gonzaga completes it on Monday, there's no asterisk, pandemic, whatever. No, this, this team would deserve to have its place in the Pantheon. Hey, uh, Jason Powers, we haven't said enough about UCLA. Uh, again, Matt is closest to it out in Arizona, but we, we need to say a few words about what an epic run. That should not be lost on us in the Final Four. I mean, to get beat on a half-court shot, what a crushing <laughs> gut punch uh, that is. But this this was tremendous, what Mick Cronin's team did in his second season. Say some more, Jason, real quick. No, I mean, he, he, give full credit to Mick Cronin. He was undermanned. Matt can tell you his best couple of players were out. One guy was went to the G League. One guy was out for personal reasons. So just imagine what this team will be next year if the guys come back and the recruiting gets a little better and all that. But give them full credit. He played to his strengths. Cronin played isolation NBA kind of basketball with Juzang and with Haquez. He had the mismatch, and he went to it, and he went to it, and he went to it. And then he got contributions tonight from Riley and Tiger Campbell, which closes that gap and that margin and makes for an epic finish. Well, and the, and again, this is one of those things like – 
you know, I'll make several different references to different sports. This is like when you're going against Tom Brady, who's now on the team that I cover and work for the Buccaneers. If you get all the way to the Super Bowl and Tom Brady beats you, it, it's not really it's like it's a bad season or a failure. He's the greatest of all time. He beats you. If you get Tiger Woods and Tyler's a big golf guy, Jason's a golf guy. I don't know how much Matt's a golf guy. But if you get Tiger Woods into a sudden death playoff for a major championship and the only guy you lost to is Tiger Woods in a sudden death playoff, uh, there's something to be said for how well you played. And you see Bob May. Bob May. Bob May, yes. And you can go on and on with Chris DeMarco at the Masters and on and on on guys that have gotten him into a playoff. Rocco Mediate got him into yeah. a U.S. Open 18-hole playoff that needed extra holes. It, it, I mean, it's only that you lost to the greatest. Uh, and we may be talking now about this Gonzaga team 10 years from now, 25 years from now, being undefeated, and especially with that half-court shot. No shame in UCLA losing to them about two minutes left here tyler jones say something else uh, again with the big 12 perspective about scott drew the job he's done and now the task to take on gonzaga on monday night give me a quick answer go well remember he did this too in the toughest conference in the country uh you're talking about the teams that he went through uh you know kansas uh oklahoma oklahoma state texas west virginia texas tech just a loaded big 12 conference and Baylor still comes out. You look at the difference between them and Gonzaga as opposed to getting to tonight. Before tonight, Gonzaga wasn't really battle-tested. Baylor has faced a lot of battles throughout sure. the season. They'll certainly be prepared for Monday. going to be a lot of fun. All right, give me, everybody give me a 15 seconds uh, here, Matt and Jason, after, after what Tyler had to say for Monday night. Uh, Matt, you first. Hey, the big key for Baylor, own the glass. I think Baylor has the big, beefy bodies that can give Gonzaga problems on the boards, win a lot of extra possessions. And for Gonzaga, Kispert needs to step up. You know Timmy's going to be there. You know Suggs is going to generally be there. This is a game where Kispert has to show up because Baylor shoots the three better. Gonzaga is going to need to begin to shoot the three, and that's Kispert. All right, Jason Powers, 15 seconds, please, for Monday Her, real quick. Do it Herb justice. Brooks, 1980, when the USA beat the Russians in the semifinal, like he said to his team, if you don't win this game Monday night, Gonzaga, you're going to go to your effing grave, not finishing <laughs> the, the perfect season. You got through the, You got through the heartbreak and the miracle finish of the semifinal, but you bet you, nobody's going to remember if you lose the final. So you better win the point. final. If you're Gonzaga. We will leave it there on that. Jason powers, Matt Zimmick, Tyler Jones. Thank you. We thank you for finding us as well in the middle of the night as we're taping on college basketball, coast to coast. It's Gonzaga and Baylor in the championship game Monday. We've had a blast recapping it. Subscribe on the podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, the college basketball coast to coast. Find us on tune in on the tag sports group channel. The final four rolls on into Monday night with Gonzaga unbeaten playing Baylor. Thank you for being with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye-bye.